Hi, everyone. Back at you with another episode of ESEC Lending Insights, where we keep it unscripted, real, and interesting. Unscripted, Peter? I would say that's definitely true, but interesting. Why don't we let our listeners decide on that one? What we are here to do, folks, is share with you our thoughts and perspectives on the securities lending industry, whether that be about demand trends or just what's going on in the industry. And now over to our episode. Let's go. Hi, everybody. It's Peter Bastler back here with another episode of ESEC Lending Insights with my awesome co-hosts, Brooke Gilman and Jim Maroney. It's been a long time, guys, right? How long has it been, Brooke? You're keeping track of this. Well, I believe it's been since late April that we put out a podcast, maybe early May, but yeah, definitely over a month. So I'm glad to get you both focused and I'm glad to carve out time to do this today. Yeah, great. Well, you know, let's start with a little bit of market feedback. So I've gotten a bunch of feedback from people highlighting some of our podcasting. So it's great to see people listening to us. I'm not sure the feedback I've gotten has been on the most relevant subjects that I'd like to be known for. Um, I like that one person called you a guest. They they said, do you often appear as a guest on those podcasts? (laughs) One, One person called me a guest. One person called me a star. But the star comment also had to do with the hair coconut oil comment. So I'm going to say that I'm a facilitator for the stars. So speaking of who the stars are, Jim Maroney is one of the stars. Tell us what's going on right now. I mean, it's been a couple months since we last spoke. I know you always have a lot to say. So what's going on? I also have proof, Peter, that we have listeners. Somebody said to me this week on the phone, they called and they said, hey, happy new year. And I said, what? <laughs> And he said, you know, you, you guys argued about how late was too late to say Happy New Year. On yeah. Did you tell him that was officially way too late? <laughs> I did. That's awesome. Oh, I took it. I said, Happy New Year. I've talked to you. I forgot, about, I forgot about that reference. Well, yeah. but hold on. Was it actually the first time that you had spoken with the person in 2022? No, they must have just gone back. And okay. listened to the <laughs> I thought it was funny. Amazing. And, and some people are excited that we're on Spotify now. I didn't even know that. I think we've been on it the whole time, but you know, I don't know. I could be wrong. Well, since April, lots happened. I guess it's not everybody knows what's going on in the equity cash markets. It's been very volatile. Again, today down. We, if we had a good day today, it would have been two consecutive weeks in the U.S. with the major indices up, but that will not be the case given what, what it looks like today. But plenty of volatility. It's all major indices are down double digits. But for us, I guess you get two different stories. If you talk to the traders on the desk here and in London, they're saying we've turned a corner. It's very busy. Balances are up, yet marks are down. All that is true. Specials activity seems to be trending in the right direction. That is definitely true. You see it in names like GameStop and AMC, which started the Reddit phenomenon. Now they are both trading very special and in broad shorts, like large shorts, not small shorts. So I do think we're trending in the right direction, but I'm not convinced that we're not going to sit where we are today, which is this reset of valuations, degrossed, delevered market. I'm not convinced anything's going to change in the next three, four, five months. The desk is saying otherwise, and I hope I'm wrong in this case, but I think that the Ukraine-Russia war has to clear up. We have to have a better picture into rates. I know they've telegraphed 50 and 50 as the next two hikes, but September's still unclear. And I think we need clarity around that. The market will wait for clarity before they relever and start putting on long shorts. So Jim, you think then, so your traders are optimistic 
and are feeling like glass half full, let's keep this going. But what you're saying is, is yeah, things are sort of marginally better right now, but it's not that great. And it's probably not going to necessarily continue. Yeah, I guess the characterizing what I'm saying is right. But the, what the guys are saying on the desk is that activity's up. And to them, that means more business, more shorts, more activity. And, and you can't deny we're seeing more volume, both in tickets and in size of the shorts. And we're net up every day, which isn't always the case, especially when you have markets that are falling every day or every other day. But what I think is happening is we might be seeing shifting of business. There are specials, undeniably specials that are new or newer to the 2022 market. And so that's a good positive trend. But I just think there might be a bit of shifting around of, say, GC balances, easy balances across the street for many different reasons. And I think we're beneficiaries of that or have been thus far. And they are misconstruing that increased volume for new shorts. And so it's still a good trend, no matter what. I'm not convinced risk takers are now going to jump in feet first because they think we formed a bottom. We're bouncing off the bottom, I think it feels like, but are we there yet? I don't know. Do you think that shifting around of GC balances has anything to do with the banks already sort of changing their positioning with additional incoming capital and regulatory requirements that they're de-risking their book and sort of reducing GC balances elsewhere? And so we're sort of a natural beneficiary of some of that? Yeah. Are you specifically talking about RWA constraints on the broker Correct. side? Correct. Yeah. And how the agent banks are also book yeah. of business as well. So, I mean, yeah. I guess it's on both sides of the trade. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think it's a little both and some other things as well. But yeah, it's definitely repositioning into RWA friendly clients and that will sit better on their balance sheet over longer periods of time. So they're shifting big, bulky trades around. And it might be because others who on our side of the street may see some of this GC business as marginally profitable. And for us, it is a little bit more profitable as a trust company. We don't have the same constraints on the RWA side as some of our larger custodial lenders do. And so maybe that's a part of that shift that we're seeing. It's, it's hard to tell now. Nobody right. directly makes the connection, at least on the desk side. Right. So you and I are heading to Isla next week. And I think we'll have some good conversations there around just that RWA and shifting of business and what it means and what they're seeing on the client side versus is it bank driven, you know, custodial bank driven from a balance sheet or regulatory requirement shifting. And I have one more question, and then maybe I'll let Peter get a word in, our esteemed guest today get a word in. But you talked about, you know, we're seeing some new specials new to the 2022 market. Do you have any sort of broad categorization of those specials in terms of the sectors that we're seeing more of that activity in, any other ways you might categorize, or is it sort of all over the map? It's one-off for the most part, but I would say broadly, you could say tech and EV is kind of where you see it. If you drill down into the businesses, it's those not generating negative cash flow, reducing down there as we were winding down this earnings season, which seems to never end. It just seems like one earnings season ends and the next one kicks in quarter by quarter. Those not generating positive cash flow are being punished in the cash market. And you're also seeing it in the borrow side. So it is not just long selling, but also shorts on many of these names that have fallen 70, 80% over the last four months, five months. I've still yet to get my EV delivery. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Somebody told me yesterday they put in an order for a Tesla and it's over a year. Wait. Yeah. So Jim, I've got a question. So Brooke and I 
we missed you out there, but we were at IMN back early May. And some of the key themes were the reemergence of single name shorts was one theme. Which is what he just spoke to. So that's validated. And another theme was RWA and capital constraints, right? At dealers as well as large bank agents. And the other theme was peer to peer. So can you talk to this whole RWA capital issue? Because each lender has a different RWA at these banks, right? And how does that affect how they want to borrow GC? If they're borrowing specials, it's really not an issue, right? But if they're borrowing GC, what's the pecking order? And can you give our listeners a little bit of an idea of how this works? Because it seems to be a bigger issue now than it has been. It seems to be more in focus. I think the issue has been out there probably for years, but as you fine tune your books, I think getting trades off balance sheet was the focus, say last year and the year before, and now it's shifted. That's kind of done and dusted and non-cash is fairly prevalent for a lot of lenders and borrowers. And so that business has shifted and now they're refocusing on RWA. It changes, Peter, from opinion to opinion. We just did a meeting this morning with a broker who said it is their opinions of RWA ratings. They're actually changing as we speak. Their credit department is having a different view. But in general, I think you could say sovereign wealth is zero. CCPs are 2% RWA. Pension funds are 20% in general. And everyone else, mutual funds and guess insurance, 100%. Brokers are 100%. And so ideally, they'd like to shift that low margin business, which is GC, to the 20s and the zeros. I mean, as, as much as you can in terms of whether there's supply or not out there. So I think as we're in an environment where marks are down, but yet the volume or the unit of business that's on is going up. And that business is really benefiting only a handful or a couple of segments of the market on the lending side and not touching others at all. So I would say very bifurcated performance for lenders at the moment in terms of if you're a GC lender, some of you won't get it because they're creating technological workarounds. They're differentiating, they being the brokers, differentiating between IBM, depending on who owns it, and some IBM is valuable and some isn't. And so there's a technological solution where you can bucket into kind of RWA smart buckets. That seems to have gotten a little bit of legs as brokers are now focused on it. So So if you're a lender, you probably want to know where you stand from an RWA perspective, because it's going to really hit your program. If you're one of those lenders, let's say a 40 Act Mutual Fund who's 100% risk weight, and you want GC... How do you differentiate yourself as a lender to the borrowing community? Collateral diversification helps. The amount of capital held for risk weighting isn't massive. As you pointed out, like on specials, it's ignored. You don't really care if it's a hard to borrow name. You need to get your hands on it for a client. You pass through the cost. You can't pass through as many costs with GC. So I think it helps to be flexible where you can to make yourself more attractive on the GC side. But in some cases, you might not have a whole lot of flexibility enough to grab that business, but price helps. So if you are able to pay up for that GC, that can offset the cost of RWA and outweigh the penalties of holding capital in cases, depending on how much you can pay. But it really, it depends on your program. You just need to, where you can be aggressive or flexible, you need to take advantage of it if that's business you want, because all else being equal, 100% is significantly more expensive than 20 and zero. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. That's helpful. So talk to me. I know we've had some auction activity since our last podcast. Any comments generally on 
borrower activity, bidding, assets that have been doing well, not doing well in, in auctions? Yeah, the, the credit continues to be a good space for auction premiums. We've got a fixed income auction coming up and we're expecting kind of good participation and year over year up bids. For the most part in the US, I'd say we're holding serve year over year. I think brokers are still optimistic about the business model in the next year, but cautious about spending money upfront relative to the amount of special business that's required today. So I think in six months, we'll be in a better place in the US. If you're speaking about equities, bonds, this is a good time. And all of those topics that Jim just discussed, Peter, are absolutely coming into play in the auction. So collateral profile and flexibility, what the lender's RWA is, things like that make a huge difference when you're talking about bidding out things like U.S. equities right now. And so some dealers will absolutely have a bid for some client programs based upon what they view their capital cost to be, what they view their collateral profile benefit to be. And whereas, you know, they might not have a bid for the same type of assets with a different lender. I think we have some single country auctions coming up. How do you anticipate some of these very attractive emerging markets playing in auctions? Yeah, those are always fun, exciting, well-bid. It's a bit of a food fight for the the Taiwans, Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong, Hong Kong less so. But yeah, no, I think they'll do well. You know, if you think about a world, I don't want to dwell too much on RWA, but in a world where many lenders are bulked together with other lenders in allocations and loans. And so a borrower, when borrowing from somebody, from an agent lender, they may have 10, 20 underlying clients in that loan. If you do an exclusive, you know exactly who you're getting and what that RWA is going to be. So it takes the mystery of what's my cost going to be to this loan out. And so to that end, we've gotten a number of calls, incoming calls from Brokers that typically hadn't bought exclusives asking about just that and who we have coming up. Can you send me over their tax ID, that sort of thing. So where they're doing a credit review of it just to see the cost. And so all else being equal, that will tip the scales. Yeah, no, Asia does fine with or without our WA considerations, but it, it always helps with a couple extra bips in the bid. Yeah, excited about the Asian assets we have coming in the next couple months. Right. I would say kind of the fall podcast, we'll be able to report back on what that looks like. One last question, because I know we're kind of probably going over time a little bit, is how much of your time today is spent talking to borrowers and trying to structure ideas and trades with specific lenders versus just managing a trading book? Because I feel like we're doing a lot more in-depth conversation with borrowers and pitching those ideas to clients. I mean, how, how has that changed for you? Yeah, it's changed a bit, but it's really in the ESEC DNA to have those discussions, whether it is an exclusive or it's an exclusive with a term component or flexible collateral, swapping collateral, multiple legal entities borrowing from the same exclusive. All those, what we try and do is solution for both the, I guess, from the seat I sit in, I solution for the brokers. And then I I take a look at our stable of clients and see who fits and, and who doesn't, and then try and marry that together into a trade. So I spend quite a bit of time there and less time, you know, if there were more specials or a ton of M&A in the market, then I'd probably be splitting time more evenly between on-desk and conversations around solutions and new one-off trades. But we've finished an auction just this week and we took a look at the book and the results of it. And we said, boy, this is a real interesting mix of discretionary lending, exclusive lending, and structured trades all baked into the same auction. I think it's optimal. When I look at it, it's, it's one of the best ways to optimize your assets. 
is to auction it off and then see where you have fit. We will, if we get bids uh, that we think are awardable bids, but we're either in the middle of new structured trades or we can replicate a structured trade with those assets, we have to take that into consideration as to whether it's an award or not an award in an exclusive. And so many times you'll end up with utilization that seems way, way too high for GC books because of those structured trades. But it, it's, in my opinion, the best way to skin the cat. Yeah, I agree. Wearing my sales hat, I agree with the auction pitch. You have no obligation to hit any bids, but you get full price discovery. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer in my view. Sound like a sales guy. That means I'm yeah. spending time with you, Peter. Exactly. Yeah. I think we're probably past the time where we keep people's attention. So we'll wrap it up. But hopefully you guys next week will get a lot of good color from Isla, have some good conversations, clients, borrowers, and and bring some more profitable ideas back. And I'll keep things close to the home front here and do your jobs while you're gone. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Good luck with that. <laughs> I have a better <laughs> chance of doing your job, Brooke, than, than Jim's, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Hope you learned something or found something interesting. And we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, folks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope we left you with something interesting and productive to utilize in your daily securities lending activities. And friends, don't forget to subscribe to ESEC Lending Insights wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our disclaimer. This material is for your private information and does not constitute legal tax or investment advice. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy of nor liability for decisions based upon such information. Thank you for listening.